Good day, good day, Doc Spacers. You're listening to the Doc Space Startup School Podcast. Starting a medical practice may seem like a dinosaur of an idea, but with the advancements of technology and the remote flexibility of care management, it's never been easier. Hi, I'm Dr. Mario Amaro. I'm a United States Navy veteran, a medical physician, and a health tech founder on a new mission to help clinicians rediscover their autonomy and bring back private medical practice. DocSpace Startup School is a virtual course that's built and designed to help clinicians navigate the medical practice formation process. In this podcast, we will interview some of the industry's leading experts in health law, design, marketing, finance, and tons of other exciting topics to help you better prepare to start and manage a successful medical practice. Welcome to the DocSpace crew. Hello, everybody. Our guest today is Anna Snigarov. She's an expert real estate agent that specializes in commercial spaces and residential relocations in the Houston, Texas area. Today at DocSpace Startup School, she will help us learn how to better negotiate and understand terms and definitions for your commercial lease, which concessions are must-have, and what you can expect after you sign a lease for your medical practice. So, hey, Anna, thank you for joining DocSpace Startup School. Um, we're going to be talking about, you know, acquiring a physical space, you know, understanding the lease. Uh, could you go ahead and introduce yourself? Mario, I'm really excited to be here with you. Uh, my name is, again, Anna Snagrev, and I've been in the real estate business since 2005. I've helped a lot of people to lease spaces. Um, I'm excited to go in and venture with you and helping you with the commercial aspect for the medical businesses. So we can go further into detail and explain some of the aspects, some of the clients that may be facing. There's so many different um, things that you need to know, different lease terms, different um, negotiating space or looking at the build out. So we can go further into that information. I know it's such a big area to cover. There's so many office buildings. What is the best building for you? You know, do you need a small space? Do you need a lot, a big space? So I think we can discuss this more and help express, explain that a little bit better to where you can understand if you were trying to find a property. Yeah, yeah, that would be really good, you know, to, to, to learn and understand. Um, and this is, so everyone that's listening, Anna, she is actually the DocSpace representative um, in Houston. So if you are in the Houston area and you're interested in locating a space and finding a lease for your, for your business, uh, we do have a directory online that you can visit at mydocspace.com slash directory and click on the Houston tab and you'll see a, a button that says schedule a visit and there you can get directly in contact with Anna and she'll be able to help you out. So Anna, let's let's go ahead and dive in. Let's. Uh, I know you have a quick presentation we can kind of use, and, and I'll, I'll mention for those who are listening to this and not necessarily viewing it, you know, through the video, and so we can kind of explain a little bit about you know what they're seeing on the screen. Okay, sure. Okay, so this is just a little bit of brief overview of some of the things that you um, would like to know, and I think a lot of the people out here are needing to know when they're looking at office space. So the basic lease terms, we're going to go into the basic lease terms. We're going to discuss how to calculate the price per square foot per year. Um, should you use personal credit to build out business credit? Um, what, are the, what is a triple net? What is CAM? 
in other terms. You know, those are things that people throw around always and they expect you to know what it is. But it, unless you actually do this all the time, you really have no clue what it is. Um, and typically, if you're new to the, to the industry, coming to Lisa's place, they're going to say triple net and not explain it and and you're going to say okay what is that how am i how is this affecting and a lot of people are not aware how much more money that they're going to have to put out but we're going to go into that how to negotiate lease concessions there are certain things that you need to make sure you're addressing um the do's and don'ts with subleasing now if you do lease a property um, some of the things that you need to consider when you're subleasing why should you work with a real estate agent or a broker? You know, a lot of people like to go in, they think that they're going to get a good price because they don't have an agent. Well, really, the list, the agent that's representing that business does not represent you. They actually represent the owner. So to have an actual agent that is working on your behalf is much better for you to get the best rate for you. So we'll talk on some of the specifics, how to work with an agent. So the basic lease terms, you know, now Mario, what is the, what do you think a basic lease term that the land the landlord wants? Um, I would say minimum five years is probably what they're searching for with my guess. Okay. Well, you'll be surprised. They're hoping for a 10 year lease. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wrong, of course. <laughs> You know, the longer they have it, the better it is for them. Now, when we're looking at tenants, we actually want a, a different type of a lease. Now, the reason that they want a longer lease is because if there's any type of tenant improvements that they have to pay out for, they want to make sure that they recoup that money because it's money that they have to help you out with first. And then if you only do a two-month, 12-month lease, how are they going to get their money back? They're not going to get their money back unless you pay them the difference. So they break it up by extending up the duration of the lease. It could be three to five years. That's the average. But they prefer to have 10 years because then they can actually make money on top of that over it to offset the cost that they spent into the build-out. So as a, as a tenant, you know, what what do you think we want, Mario? Yeah, the, the, the minimum, right? We obviously don't want uh, 10 years, you know, uh, to be locked into something that we're not 100% sure of. Right. So some of the things that you want to consider is what is your existing business situation? Are you a startup or do you have a stable business that's already making the income? And also the location, what's more desirable for you? and will a longer lease be better for you? So typically, as a tenant, you want 12 months, but if you do it for 12 months, you're gonna be expected to pay a lot more money for that duration. And also, if you want the landlord to build it out, at 12 months, they're not gonna wanna spend that money on it. So for concessions, we we can look at and see if we do a two to three year, we can also offset some of the, uh, the cost by having some three months of rent while you're doing the build out. So that can help alleviate 
uh, some of the costs that you have to come out of pocket to come into a facility. So I have a question, uh, you know, going, going a little bit on that, you know, sp specifically for concessions, right? You know, if you're obviously the landlord wants 10 years, they want the, the, the maximum they can get out of you to kind of, you know, uh, decrease the risk from, you know, them leasing their property. But from a person who is leasing the property, they want the minimum, right, to decrease the risk as well. So what's the middle ground there to be able to still take advantage of some concessions while giving, you know, a, a, the landlord what they want, but also getting what they want as from a leasee's perspective? So one way that you can spread out the risk is, let's say they give you two to three months of free rent. You can spread that over the duration of the lease, bringing your monthly rent down. Um, but also, if you do get concessions from the landlord for build out, you're going to have to look at actually standing out the lease. So to keep your monthly note down, uh, lease rate down. Um, so th those are the things that you would have to consider really close. Um, when you lease a property directly, you're liable for that cost, the term of the lease. Now, if you lease the property and then you have a subleasee, then you can offset some of the additional costs that you're incurring. Maybe you're not using that space and you need somebody else to take up the slack so you can sublease it. There are certain things that you want to keep in mind when we're looking at the subleases, and we'll go into that a little bit further down. Yeah, so can you break down a little bit about like concessions a little bit, you know, um, and you may have this later, you know, in, in, the, in the deck you have, but, you know, what are some just general things that you can actually include as a concession? So as a concession, what you can ask them to help with the cost of the build out. So it may be adding certain walls, adding certain equipment into the place. And it may be adding electrical wiring inside it that they are willing to pay for for that cost. Typically, if you have no build-out concessions, all of those expenses are going to be your responsibility. So to offset that cost for you, you can ask that as a build-out concession to where they pay, let's say, $5,000 to get that done for you. And then you don't have to pay that. But what they're going to do is they're going to spread it out throughout the, the year or two, three years or whatever the duration you're going to have the lease for, you're going to end up paying for it one way or another. So some of the concessions that you can look at, and we'll just kind of skip that and go into the concessions because, so here, look, building concessions, this is what I'm talking about. Can you see the screen? Uh, let me not share that. So some of the things that you can ask for in building sessions is um, this kind of talks about why you need to get free office space. So the build out period that could be in your concessions. You can have early occupancy um, asking for more rent than you need. And then considering adding more term to your lease or spreading out the free rent over the period of time. So you need to justify why you need to have that additional month, the free time, because 
if you need to put equipment in there, you need to put office space, you need to set up all of your um, office chairs, desks, all of that stuff, you're not going to be in operating. You're not going to be actually making money. So to offset that, typically you would ask three to four months time frame for you to get all that done. Um, if you agree to the time and you're running behind, then we're going to have to talk to the landlord because then your rent starts. So those are the things that you need to make sure you're cognizant of. So the build-out period, build-out period is um, should never, at that point, you shouldn't have to pay rent during the build-out phase. Um, you should be able to negotiate 60 to 120 days. Um, to get your space built out. So if you if you lease the property and automatically you're paying rent, you're actually paying to get your place set up. And typically that's not something that should be um, in play until you've actually built it out. Now the 60 days to 120 days, you need to make sure that you're staying within that window. Because if you go over that window, your rent starts. Yeah, and, and, and I like this, um, you know, for those who are listening to this, you know, and, and, and not watching the video, it, it does say, do not let the landlord refer to this as free rent, as it is not. That's a good, good thing to know because, you know, when you're looking at this, when the build-out's occurring, as you mentioned, that does not include as your free rent. You know, this is the time that the landlord, you set up the concessions per the contract, they're building out this, you know, um, your estate in the building space and rent starts once it's ready, you know, mm -hmm. and technically it's will not even start at that point. If you negotiated free rent from that starting point, you know, so, you know, there, this is an interesting thing. And, and, and do you have any words, on, any additional um, comments on that? Well, it's true, you know, because the build out, that's really, you're not renting, you're not making money. So unless you understand the difference, you can fall into it and end up paying for that time. Um, and, and part of the reason a lot of people feel like they understand it, but there's complexities with the, the leases because it's in favor of the owners. You know, the owners created this, this is in their favor. So you as a tenant, unless you understand this terminology is negotiated right, you're going to be paying for the time that you're not actually making money on the lease. Yeah, you know, I have a question. You mentioned something right there that's important to distinguish is that, you know, you said it's in favor of the owners. You know, like talking about basic real estate, right? Like, um, you know, uh, residential, right? There's a lot, specifically, we're both in Texas, and there is a, the contract is favored for the, you know, resident, right? Then like if a builder was to sell a home to a, uh, for a residential property, it, it, does that not apply for commercial real estate? The same the protections that apply for leases that are in commercial? So what happens on a commercial building, like for instance, triple net, that includes net, 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 which includes your lease space, the common areas, and taxes and insurance. So you're paying a fraction of that. So in a sense, if you lease out the whole property, the landlord actually does not pay any insurance on the property. He doesn't pay the taxes on the property. You as a tenant, you're paying for all that. 
but you don't own anything. You're leasing it. So that's where I say it's in the favor of the landlord. In a sense, it's a free building to the landlord if he has occupants in the property. Okay. Whereas when you're buying a home, you know, the owner, they can lease it, but they're responsible for the taxes. You're responsible for your tenant insurance. You'll still have to have that in commercial. Um, but in the residential, you're only covering your portion of the assets inside the structure. If something happens to the structure, the landlord is covered by your insurance and their insurance. And they're liable for the HOA, they're liable for the taxes. Whereas commercial, the section that you're leasing, you're liable for the insurance on that section, you're liable for the taxes on that and the rent so you you need to make sure that you're aware of that because there is a substantial difference yeah yeah no you you, you basically shift all the responsibility to yourself as a business owner that you know the protections that that you are are, are awarded as a residential homeowner or even a home you know, you're leasing a home you're, you're not you're not provided that same protection as a business owner right because it's, right. it's Business. So that's based off of the liability of the business. So um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really good information. So you know, different states are different rules, but typically the type of lease terms they're going to be common in most of the states. The triple net, the cam, the cams are typically for retail. Now, if somebody in the medical business decides to lease a property in retail. A location, then they're going to be facing CAM, which is a common area maintenance um, lease. Versus if it's an office building, they're going to be looking at triple net, which covers the lease plus taxes and insurance and the common areas. Yeah, and, and, and some of that stuff is like what? Is that like cleaning? Of the building spaces? Is that like uh, maintenance? Maybe if the um, everyone uses kind of public. Uh, toilet areas, those type of things. Is yeah. that is what it would include? So it covers the elevator, the common areas like the toilet. Also, you'll be paying for the property management portion for the company to manage you while you're staying there. So if you need to have the AC people come out there, you're going to go through a management company. You're actually paying for that. The landlord's not paying for it. So that's part of your lease. So when you're looking at the lease, you're going to have your base rent for the square footage that you're leasing. And then they're going to say, okay, based on the thousand square foot, you only have 20% of that. Then they're going to take 20% of the maintenance cost. Then they're going to take 20% of the tax cost, the management cost, and the common area cost. And they'll tag that onto your rent. So at the end of the day, you can't look at like a residential, you see a flat fee and that's what you're going to be paying. On commercial, you have the flat plus these additional expenses that you're going to incur over the months. Now, one of the things that we need to look at is make sure that the duration of it, we don't have an escalating cost. Meaning that, you know, after a year, they go up by another 10, 15% on your lease. 
you know, we want to minimize that, maybe lock it in for three years at this rate, keeping it lower for those three years. Um, some landlords would want to escalate it over after a year, a year, a year. So after five years, you've escalated five times and you, your rent has substantially increased. So you need to be careful of those pitfalls because unless you understand that you can negotiate that, you're going to be locked into a lease that is really not helping you grow your business. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, it makes me think of something else in, in regards to professional buildings and single locations. You know, um, how do CAM and, and, you know, triple net, all those things apply to if you're just looking at a maybe a retail location or just a single building that doesn't have any other occupants besides yourself? So where you were asking about, you know, the different type of leases, single tenant versus um, triple net, there's different types. So a single tenant, basically you occupy the whole building. You lease out the whole building. You will not have any additional tenants occupying it, subleasing it. You're not going to pay the section of the building. Um, but you, you are going to pay for the taxes, for property taxes. Uh, you're going to also be paying for the area, the, the parking space um, and management fees also. But they're not going to be broken up into fragments like the high rises that you're going to end up leasing. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of that's important, too, for, you know, what you mentioned earlier was, you know, the parking spaces, the maybe even the, the, the single location may have some um, maintenance for gardening, you know, those type of things that need to be done that you're going to potentially pay for, you know, uh, trash pickup, those type of things that are included in your services that, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, physicians don't think about um, when it comes to how much is my lease cost? How much will it increase over time? How is that going to affect my business? Right. So here's some of the terms that would be good to know, it, like a gross lease. It's also a full service lease, which has the tenant, only one tenant in the property. Um, the landlord will be responsible for the usual costs associated with owning the property, taxes, insurance, and maintenance. So that's more like leasing a house when you pay for a gross lease. Now, when you're looking at CAM, which is they consider a load factor, is a method which is calculated monthly rent cost by combining usable square feet with a percentage of square feet of common areas used by all tenants to arrive to the square foot. So typically include restrooms, lobbies, elevators, stairs, and hallways. So if you share a building with three other tenants, um, each of your usable square feet, then you are renting as your own usable space. Um, and the tenants may not occupy, which may not occupy. So substantially, um, equal your percentage contribution towards the common areas should be about 25% or so. So when in what they call a load factor, they combine all of those, I guess, costs associated into um, a fee that will be added to your rent. So typically what, what this is saying is that you want to be 25% or lower in the cost that you spend for that, those things. Now, there is another type, which is the base rent, which in this amount, you pay 
the minimum on the rent. And then after that, so some of it may be adding a percentage. It's just a base. This is what you're paying for. This is that your this is what your monthly. Now a percentage lease means that a percent of your monthly sales, let's say for instance, you make two hundred thousand dollars. Based on that, you say, okay, off of the two hundred thousand dollars, I'm paying five percent as my lease rate for the whole year. So for that year, you're gonna pay that portion. Now, if you make three hundred thousand dollars, then it may escalate another five percent. So then you you pay another five thousand a month, for example. But the more money you make on your sales. And they'll ask you for your receipts. They'll ask you for your ledger to see how much money are you making on a monthly basis and a yearly basis because they want to see if they're going to escalate the, the value of the lease or are they going to maintain it at that rate. Now, one thing that might be we should be able to negotiate is that if it falls below that price, maybe having the lease decrease. So those are some options that we would have to discuss with the landlord and see what is, what flexibility we have with them so would these be terms that you would you know as at least looking at a space would be able to negotiate like what you know what type of lease is are the landlord going to offer right um based off of these options that you're discussing and then you know being able the importance of using an agent or a broker right to be able to determine why each individual option is is good use for whatever you know your your business is going to be right like you're able to select the, the best option for your business um you know this kind of highlights the importance but also good to negotiate to see if they even offer additional type uh, of leasing options right yes typically we can look at a lease and see what what are they actually saying the lease terms are just because it's identified on the lease doesn't mean it locks you in. We can always negotiate that. But a lot of times the landlords, if you come without an agent, they will try to lock in at what they have as terms. And they, they'll tell you this is fixed terms. This is how it is at, at our location. Now, the truth of the matter is they'll work differently with an agent or a broker. And they'll start working with the terms and, and negotiate much more in in both favor to make it more of a happy situation for the tenant and the landlord. Yeah, no, and and again, totally advocate for for the representation of having someone who does this day in and day out. You know, that's why we, you know we're we're having this call is because you know I feel like there is uh, some misinformation that happens in this space, and, and a lot of physicians that are interested in space do kind of just go directly. And when you do go directly, yeah, you are removing some, you know, middleman, but at the same time, you're also losing that, that expert who is, uh, has that ability to advocate to the, for the best, you know, leasing option or best contract for you to decrease your costs overall, you know? Right, Mario. Mario, one of the misconceptions that I see over and over and over is that everybody thinks, you know, we as agents, um, we make a lot of money and that's all we're looking for. Well, the truth of the matter is we're here to help the tenant, to help them get the best deal for them for their leases. We don't get paid by the tenant. We don't get paid until you actually lease a property 
and you're happy with the location, then at that point, we actually get paid. And that's paid by the landlord. So you are actually getting free service if you go to an attorney, which you should have things reviewed by an attorney, but you will have to pay ahead of time for their services. So it's good to have advice from both. Our job is to make sure that you are taken care of, your rights are looked after, and make sure you get the things that you need for your situation. Exactly, yeah, and this is a business, right? So, you know, as, as a business, any operator who, who's going to start a business, um, you have to understand it's, it's about mitigating risk as early as possible. And if you're starting off signing a lease because, you know, and you think you can learn it, the, the, these terms, learn these rules, these kind of laws, everything by yourself and assume that at least, um, you know, to save some, maybe a couple hundred bucks, right. that's your business. That's a long time of commitment that could affect you for your or lifetime, right? So I, I totally um, agree and respect that, you know, Agents and brokers there for this specific use case are a really good solution to help advocate to get you the best deal to make sure that your business one starts and then stays viable over time is able to grow. Right. So, right. yes, yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. So we, we don't take this lightly. We, we definitely want to make sure that our clients are taken care of. And if there's any issues that we jump in and help address, if we don't know about something, we can't help you. You know, and a lot of people, they, they think that they can come in and, you know, everybody has different educations. Everybody has different knowledge. I'm never going to claim to be a doctor because <laughs> it takes them so long to go through the process, learn so much knowledge, you know, and I, I'm not going to try to cure myself because I'm not going to know what to look for. <laughs> so in the sense, uh, an agent is the same thing. You know, we've been in the business, we've had the education and the understanding of the processes, and we know what is the best thing to help you address to get the best terms in your situation. So having the expertise is gonna help you in the long run be ahead of the game with your leases and mitigate a lot of issues that you would normally face and then try to figure out how can I mitigate this later on and it's going to cost you more money to hire an attorney to go through the process try to get out of the lease how much money do you have to spend we can address all of that ahead of time so you know what you're walking into if it's not the best situation we're going to encourage you not to go for it if it's the best situation you know you're going to have a choice to make is this something that works for you if it does then yes we should go forward and negotiate the best terms for you and have you move into the property, make sure things are going smoothly. And if there's any questions, you can always come back to us and ask for advice and, and see what is the best thing to do. Also, when it comes to renewing it, it's always good to come back and ask, is there any other terms that we can negotiate? How is this lease working out? We can discuss that. Um, is there something that we need to change on the lease? And how can we renegotiate this lease? So those things that a lot of people, once they leave the property, they think, forget about the agent, we can do this, we're just gonna renew the lease. But the landlord at that point can make whatever rules they want 
and you will have to make the decision on your own without any kind of advice or input or guidance to decide what is the best thing and it may not be the best thing and you may not know that you can actually negotiate those terms. Yeah, and, and, and that's really good information, you know, because there, when once you complete a lease, you know, a lot of times doctors think that, oh, I have, you know, or, or not just doctors, anyone really, you know, when you think about a residential lease, right? Uh, I think the, the lease is ended. They know I'm a good tenant. They know that I'm going to continue paying on time. That means I could probably renegotiate this or, or at least, you know, uh, my rent will go up or something like that, right? But it's the complete opposite sometimes. <laughs> it increases because they know that you're kind of stuck. Maybe your business is going well. They're like, oh, we got this guy. You know, this girl, we're going to hook them, you know, and they're kind of stuck now. And so they can a little bit take advantage, right? And so that's the unfortunate process sometimes if you don't have representation, you don't have anyone that's advocating for you to be able to negotiate that best deal um, moving forward, not just the first time, the second time as well. Um, yeah. So you, you did talk about a little bit, you know, going over the percentage leases, different options that we have, what CAM is, the concessions, triple net, you know, a lot of those things. But if we can move on to determining space, like how to price out square footage per month versus square footage per year. Okay, so one of the things that you need to consider, how much space are you gonna need and for, for your office? Let's say if you have um, the requirements for two offices just to treat your clients and maybe some administrative space, Based on that, may, let's say hypothetically speaking, it may be 200 square feet, and that's all that you need. So the landlord typically has a rule of thumb what they're leasing at per square foot. So you have the base area, which is the, the walls of your little section that you're going to occupy. That will be based on, let's say, for instance, they may say 75 cents per square foot. So you would take the length times width and then multiply that, and that's the square feet you're looking at, multiply by 75, that's the base. Now, if you're looking at triple net, figure out that little thousand square foot, how much of that building are you actually occupying? And this is where I'm saying the triple net. So let's say it's 10% of that building. You would take 10% of the your maintenance costs to 10% of your taxes on the property and they'll stack all of that and that's the rate that they're going to pay. Where you can negotiate is on the base rate. Let's say instead of 75 cents, we want to pay 65 cents per square foot. We have more leverage to reduce the, the price per square foot that way versus on the common areas. They typically try to lock those in because those are pretty much fixed and on a yearly basis, especially taxes, may escalate depending on the value of the property. Yeah, you know, another thing that I see is when you look at listings, they will say, you know, $25 per square foot per year, mm -hmm. you know, and then you calculate that, you would have to do your math, right? So why the variance in how they list pricing, whether it's year over month? So the way that they do it is basically they say, okay, so let's say it starts off with $2 per square foot per month. Then they multiply that by X months. 
So 12 months, then that's where the value comes in. So you have to break it down to really see how much it is per month instead of per year. They want to see show like a bigger value, gross value. So, but you as a tenant, you want to see what is my monthly and they want to see what is their yearly cost. What are they going to be getting at the end of the year? So that's where there's a difference in terminology and how they state things. Um, they may include triple net. They may say, okay, um, this is for additional triple net. This is what it is. A lot of times they're not going to define that. They're just going to say triple net. You know, and this is the base price, $25 per square foot per year. And then you have triple net for the common areas. That's going to be additional cost that you're going to have to address. Yeah, and some directories even don't um, display that it's the base price. They just list the price per year, you know, and so you're on, you're not even sure, you know, for those who don't even know they can negotiate the base price, you know, but let's say you, you were aware and you're seeing the per year, they're, some directories do not specify this is the base price plus triple net, but we're not including what the triple net is. But, you know, as a as savvy consumer, right, someone who's going to be going into that lease, they'll know, all right, at least I can negotiate somewhat here in this, you know, base price and then, you know, move on to concessions or whatever you need later to be able to make that deal even sweeter for you. Right. Yeah. And, the reason for that is because they want to make sure that they have the leverage, you know? So if you don't understand it, you're going to think, well, that's my base price. Well, at the end of the day, no, it's not your base price. You have some leverage to negotiation, negotiate part of the lease, but there's portions of the lease that you can't negotiate. Yeah, yeah, and, and and they're probably hitting, you know, maybe 50-50%, you know, you'll have 50% savvy people that do negotiate and you have 50% that, you know, um, that don't. And so they win, you know, because it pays for the, the loss, right, of those who did negotiate. <laughs> right, yeah, and it's really important to understand that. If you don't understand it, then you're going to get yourself in a lease that's going to lock you in for the duration. Now, one of the things that, when you first lease a property, they're going to look and see, have you been established or is this a new business? If this is a new business, they're going to ask for a line of credit, personal guarantee. So how do you mitigate that? Do you know how to mitigate that? Um, personal guarantees as far as um, extending my lease will probably be one. Um, you know, I would say, you know, kind of, giving them back that leverage, right, of extending my lease. The other thing I would say is putting a bigger down payment, security deposit. Right. Those are some ways, extending a lease, putting security deposit, <clears throat> asking for less concessions can also alleviate some of that. If you're, if you're burdened with the cost of the build-out, then that's less risk that they have to face. <clears throat> Reducing, increasing the lease term from a year to three to five years, that's reducing the cost, but then you're locking yourself for five years, There's, you're still putting yourself at risk. Now, if something happens, let's say you're, you go out of business and two years later and you have a five-year lease, you have three more years to decide what you're gonna do. You can't pay it, your business is out, but you're locked into that lease. Now, depending on how the terms are on the lease, 
you can sublease it or if you terminate how much money do you have to come up with to terminate so if you don't address those things they're going to say i want you to pay the rest of the the duration of the lease this is how much fifty thousand dollars that you have to come up with by six three months out how are you going to cover an operation well, then we'll have to look at your line of credit. We'll have to go in and see what assets can we get, can you sell to offset the cost for this lease. So the personal guarantees, there's ways to negotiate them to mitigate it. But we can definitely go further into that if, if you're interested to discuss it and really understand what aspects and which place you're going to because every landlord is a little different their requirements are different um what they're willing to negotiate on and what they're not willing to negotiate their rates they'll vary from building to building or management to management there's several landlords that own multiple buildings here in the houston market that even though you may go to a different location it's still the same management company because the landlord is going through that management company. You think that you may find a different location you like, you're still dealing with the people. If you didn't like dealing with them earlier, it's not gonna help any better in different locations. That's absolutely what I see in the Houston market. Um, a lot of landlords are the same, you know, and specifically in certain areas. Like if you, for example, if you go to the West Chase area, if you go to, you know, again, for people in Houston, these are different parts of town. But, you know, if you go to, to different areas, a lot of there's like clusters of same landlords or even, um, you know, different property managers, like you mentioned, that are kind of corporate property manager companies that still have the same exact kind of staff or organization that monitors every single type of building. So you kind of you do bad in one area, you're better be prepared to <laughs> not really have any any backing you know for that next lease so you're going to get the highest rate and not be able to negotiate anything because you have a track record now you know they established it yes and you know you think houston's so big but there's only so many management companies that deal with this high-rise buildings commercial lease properties you know um you you do have commercial brokers and agents that work on tenants' behalf that do not actually represent the office building, the the landlords uh, that have multiple locations, so they can help you navigate through areas and different properties and help you work through those issues. Now, you may have had some hiccups in one location, and you may have the same property managed for a different location. If, if it's a business that you want to continue, we can potentially work with that management company and help you relocate to another location that may suit you better. But if you do it on your own, you may not know that option's available, and then you're stuck with paying the $50,000 to end your lease. Whereas if you still want the business to continue, maybe that location was terrible for you, but that management company can relocate you to a different building, different location, and your business could thrive. So 
depends on how there's so many things that you need to consider you know just because it may not work out at one point doesn't mean it's not going to work out in a different location yeah yeah and, and I, I guess we ended off um here you know kind of getting your your professional opinions on the do's and don'ts some of the you know the common things that you see and, and you know what you could recommend and what you can definitely recommend that they don't do so especially if you're hosting um sublease you own the building, let's say one floor of the building, and you want to sublease that out, you want to make sure your tenants that are going to be subleasing from you are aware of the terms that you locked yourself in. A lot of times, the tenant, now the sub subleaser, um, they don't want to share that because they want to negotiate what is the best rate to try to get the most for themselves. Well. At the end of the day, you're responsible for that tenant. If that tenant does not follow your agreement, then guess what? You're liable for that. So you want to make sure they understand your agreement, what they have to comply with, and the terms that you agree with them for that little subspace that they're going to lease from you. So overall, you know, it's still a communication. It's still making sure that people understand you have to follow by the rules of the lease. You can't break the lease. If you do not comply with the lease, they can terminate and you're obligated for all that money that you locked yourself into. Um, and that's actually not a good thing because then they can also let other property management companies know how you broke the lease and that you're, you're going to have issues with the next property. So it's important to comply, work with them, negotiate, and make sure that we're able to work through the lease agreement, through the lease process, to either relieve you from the location or possibly relocate you or have you be able to sublease it out. And if that's not negotiated in the terms, then it's going to affect you on how you go forward on subleasing the property. Yeah, you know, and I know we didn't uh, touch on that topic a lot, you know, in this in this uh, you know video uh, or call. But you know, I, I think this is definitely something we could probably just do another video just on subleasing, you know, to get really uh, in, this, in, in the specifics, you know, uh, and go deeper into that topic. But just so everyone's aware, usually the sublease agreement could those things be negotiated in part of the initial deal. Yes, they can be so they can be negotiated. Yes, so that's what I'm saying. What how you negotiate your main lease is going to affect how you can sublease things. So it's really important that you really have it identified properly to where if you do decide to go into that avenue, that you're protected. Yeah, yeah, and especially it's important for you know what we're doing for our. For, you know, for doc spaces that, you know, we're looking for doctors to be able to host that space so they're able to decrease their cost overall, right? And by hosting it, it just allows other doctors who do not want that lease to be able to take advantage and share that space with, with the doctors who are okay with assuming the lease. Um, so, you know, if you're already thinking that as you move in, you know, or as you're looking for a space to lease, you already negotiate that deal in your contract so you know that you're protected and the people who are subleasing from you are protected as well, right? And, and it makes it the whole entire process a lot smoother as you, as you grow your business. True. 
So one of the good things right now, the market is great because there is those situations right now where the landlords are leasing out a whole floor and that are being subleased out by that tenant to other companies to lease out for a week or a month or so. And it's making it to where now if you jump in and do that, you're not going to have the same obstacles that you had before. They're a lot more friendlier. You use like an Airbnb for medical office space. So I think this is a good time to do this if you are going to do it. Going off of what you just mentioned, you know, we're actually been contacted by office owners as well, you know, who are interested in potentially becoming the doc space host right out. So you wouldn't even have to, you know, um, lease the building because you already have the opportunity to sublease it from the people who already manage the property. So it, it eliminates some of the frustration, you know, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how this grows. Um, to see, you know, doctors who want that space, they have the opportunity to lease it. The doctors who don't want it have the opportunity just to sublease it. So it really is going to be a changing thing. And I, and I, I do agree with you that this is already becoming more common in the commercial real estate space that, you know, owners that own this, you know, the space are more willing to negotiate with their tenants to be able to make it happen so they can, you know, both everyone wins in that scenario. Yes. It's becoming more of a flex flex space because right. you know, the landlord doesn't want to sit there on the property and not have somebody leasing it and losing money. Now, if they can lease it out and have it subleased out and they're making money, that's better for them than just having to pay taxes and the maintenance on the property. And those are some big buildings. <laughs> so the more people that can occupy the property, the better it is for the tenants and the landlords themselves. And everybody helps each other grow their own businesses. Well, Anna, I, I really appreciate you taking the time today and, you know, kind of walking us through a lot of these kind of things that, you know, we, we all need to kind of educate ourselves on when it comes to commercial real estate. And, and again, thank you very much for, for helping us, you know, learn. Oh, definitely. I really enjoy talking to you. And, you know, I look forward to helping others because there is so much to know about the process of leasing residential and commercial a lot of people thinking thinking that it's, it's really easy basic but it's not there's a lot of um, complexity depending on the terms is how you're going to end up um, either helping your business grow or possibly making it um, harder on yourself yeah and if anyone uh, wants to reach out you know like we mentioned before they can go to you know the our mydocspace.com slash directory, click on the Houston tab, you will see uh, Anna's picture there and go ahead and click on the image. It says, you know, schedule a visit and you can contact her directly to be able to locate your space. And, she, you know, she'll be a great advocate to be able to negotiate the best deal for your lease. Anna, thank you very much again for taking the time and I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. I look forward to working with you all. Thank you for listening to the DocSpace Startup School podcast. Please check us out at startupschool.mydocspace.com for more video lectures and product demos. And don't forget to join the DocSpace Startup School community to engage with other clinicians going through their journey of starting a medical practice. 